Welcome to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. We are here for you to know God, grow together, discover purpose, and make a difference in New York City and beyond. Please check out our Facebook and Instagram at Every Nation NYC. Enjoy the message. Father, I pray as we get into your word, you would help us. Truly, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word, these your people will see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditation in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You're my strength, the redeemer, and every glad, happy heart say amen. amen. Touch somebody on your left and say, great is his faithfulness. Oh, get somebody on your right, say, you know, he's faithful to me. Look behind and say, he's not, being, he's not done being faithful to you. My wife did a good job of giving an introduction to the great people and leadership here, so I'm going to jump straight into the message, if that's okay, because um, I've been here many times. Um, what a great church. Uh, as we start this series, Stormproof, I want you to know that your pastors, all three of them, um, spend time in a retreat with our team every year, and if you didn't know it or not, this church affects our church, Built the World Outreach, the leadership of Pastor Kaz, Shino, and and um, Nathan is active and alive in our church. I'm just privileged to be a part of their series. We've done a lot to work together. We are truly sister churches, but more than that, just we, you know, coming to speak, we actually do life together, and I'm, I'm grateful um, to be here. You know, during Black History Month, I'm reminded of a few things as an African-American man that, um, a lot of people don't know really where it originated from. Carter G. Woodson, you know, tried to change it from Negro Week to try to get a month, and it was kind of associated with Frederick Douglass and, and, um, and um, Abraham Lincoln's, their birthdays. That's why I was picked a month. And the reason that it was done is because it was discovered that throughout history, African-American contributions had been blotted out or left out. So I think since... Um, 1976 or so, every president has acknowledged this. It's not something that's just acknowledged maybe by African-American people. It's acknowledged nationally because there had to be something arbitrarily inserted in the, in the historical narrative in order to try to help African-American people catch up. So the reason that you play those slides and stuff is not just because it's like, hey, let's celebrate. It's, it's because something uh, challenging happened in history that had to try to elevate a people back to where they were. In a sense, it's a way of storm-proofing uh, our ethnic relationships. I didn't say it's an opportunity to blame or to point or to be inflamed about what was. It is the intention, even when something has been done wrong, there's something in us that wants to hold on to it and point really hard. Even though we all love the movies when somebody has forgiveness, you know, and you cry and all that, there's something about when you got somebody down, I got you. And that's the spirit. Or sometimes people just don't want to take responsibility for their culpability in something. It becomes difficult. I believe that the text that we're going to go through today in Genesis kind of helps us work some of those things out, like who's to blame, where to point the finger, who should be taking responsibility, and are you ready for the particular storms that will come in your life and all of that particular devastation? So um, 
Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis uh, chapter 3, and let's just catch you up to the story for those of you who don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I read through a lot of texts, so I have you read and stuff too. So when I have you read, read with clarity, read with power, read like you're the preacher. This is not passive, but it's active participation, okay? It's going to be a whole lot of fun. But I just want you to know that God did a good job creating everything. He's just good. But the reason that he created everything and called it good is so that he could have an intimate, powerful relationship with humanity. Valentine's Day comes around and you try to do all you can to present a gift to your significant other so they can know that you care. The earth was given to humanity the stewardship of it, the way it's designed, the way it's shaped, the way it stimulates you so that you can know that your God not only loves you, but he wants to relate to you and he wants to move his home in heaven. He wants to move from heaven. Bring his heavenly family and his earthly family together and that was most articulated and demonstrated in the Garden of Eden. It's where heaven and earth met where the house of God, the abode of God was, where God was just chilling out. Can you imagine how God chills? He's smooth. Yeah, you like that uh, petunia over there. Don't you? Yeah, I was, you know, I, was just, I know. <laughs> Some of the angels told me yesterday they liked it. You like that? He, he just, <laughs> he wanted to show you how much he loves you so when you see a tree, it's all about the love God has for you. When you see animals, it's all about the love God has for you. When you see the creativity of the great New York skyline, it was all done for you. I know that men will take credit, but they didn't create dirt, they didn't create water, they didn't create atoms, they didn't create anything. All these things were created by him and for him to give to you. Oh, glory, he good. So, we're going to pick up this story at Genesis 3, 1. Ready? Let me see if they have it. Ready? Read. We have more to read, but let's just stop there for a minute and catch you up. If you find yourself 
talking to an animal. And they talk back. And the conversation is questioning the integrity of who God is. You need to stop talking and turn and go the other direction and say, God, there's some crazy stuff going on in the garden. Your house, it, 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 it went left. I didn't know it was going left, Lord. It went left. They're talking strange around here. It's amazing that when we in this world who have the privilege of having the word of God that can guard us and protect us and give us the boundaries that we have, that when the word of God is brought into question by people who hate God, it's as if we engage and entertain the conversation like it's going to go somewhere good. If you find that, that you are romanticized by conversations that bring questions about God's character, you need to run. You are not proof for the storm. You're not ready for the storm. You hadn't battened down the hatches. There's nothing anchoring you, and you're in trouble. Eve, you're in trouble. Now, let's just talk about Adam just for a minute because I think Eve gets a bad rap. Adam is standing there while she's having a conversation about something that God has given him clarity on. I was waiting on Adam to come through the story and say, hold up, partner. Hold up. Now I know exactly what God said. And the reason he said it is that if anything or any person or anything rose up in me that was contrary to what he said, I could reject it. Don't speak to my woman. Bring that to me. God made him a leader and God made him a covering and men somehow love to take that position that God has given us divinely. But we might have the same disease that Adam had, silence. When we talk, we talk about what our flesh wants. Why didn't you cook for me? Why didn't you love me? Why didn't you give me? Why didn't you do this? Why you keep talking to me? Why we got stuff to say. But somehow, the primary thing that he's designed to do is to articulate, to wash his wife with the word and to keep speaking the word so that she can be safe, he finds himself not doing. I can tell you for a fact, either Adam forgot or Adam didn't meditate on the word. The Bible tells us to meditate on the word night and day and we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in our season and this fruit won't wither. We're going to start a purple book campaign and some of you are going to feel like you don't need it. Yes, you need it. You got to meditate on the word to storm proof your life. Adam wasn't ready because he wasn't speaking the word to himself. He got caught up in the conversation that was off. Well, where, well, where was, well, you know, did he really say that? Come on now. You got to know when something is an off spirit. I think that God made a perfect man and a perfect woman, and they knew he wasn't talking right. You know when you interact with Shady, some hairs stand up on the back of your head. I don't know. I don't know. This is a clear solicitation. And when you entertain a solicitation long enough to sin, when you look at something off long enough, when you listen to something off long enough, you'll start engaging in it. He said, she said, you know, he said, when she saw the tree, that it was good, even though God called it good and evil, she renamed it just good 
and she took off the evil. She's not a limit. She's, she's not ignoring the word. She's just taking out the parts she don't like. That's what we do. Cherry picking the Bible. I don't have any time to really do this word justice. Can't bring a person like me here for 30 minutes to speak. Think I'm going to get the whole sermon out. Ain't no way I can do it right. Sorry, Pastor Nathan. Maybe I should have said that to Shino. You know. <laughs> Cherry picking. You want to invite me to your church? Yes. Cherry picking the parts of the word you like. I want to do that. That's good. Then she said it was, she saw that it could make you wise. Now, if you understand, I don't have time to tell you about other religions, but this, this wisdom she wants is to open up the third eye. I just wanted to try to find a way to bring it into today's language. In other words, whenever you're trying to open up your third eye or a third level of consciousness or another wave of consciousness, you're trying to bypass the wisdom that God has given and you're trying to tap into an earthly and sensual and demonic wisdom. So when people say, I got a third eye or I can open up, they can, but they're giving credit as if that's coming from God instead of a demon who understands what's going on in the world. She said, this can make me wise. This can make me like God. How, who else said that? God, the, 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 we know that the Satan said, I'm gonna, he said, I'm going to set my throne up in the north and I'll be like God. He didn't say above God, he said like God. She stops saying what God says and starts saying the language of the enemy because her life is not stormproof because when you don't meditate on the word night and day, you can't get fortified. Now she's getting all jacked up. She gets to, she, she stands there. You, I'm telling you, if you look at the wrong stuff long enough, just read between the lines. Kids is in here. If you look at the wrong stuff long enough, you will desire it and you will take it. There is no human that is strong enough if anybody was going to be able to, strong enough to look at the wrong thing and listen to the wrong stuff, these first humans would have been strong enough. And if they couldn't take it, you can't take it. You can't take seeing, you can't take seeing nothing. You've got to, if you want to stormproof your life, you're going to have to elevate past it's directly sinful. You've got to get to the point where I see the seeds of that sin. I know where that kiss is going. I know where this is going. I know where all this is going. Yeah. All right, let me get off this point. Cause, and if you want me to get off in the future faster, you say amen, and then I just move on. <laughs> no, seriously. Well, you don't say amen, then I got to stay there. Like, hold on. No agreement yet. All right, let's keep reading. Keep reading what happened. Yeah. They was already naked, weren't they? What they knew is that something changed. Instead of being clothed with God's glory, God's innocence, God's peace, they became clothed with the dark side of life outside of God's direction. When they first were naked, they saw each other and they were unashamed. 
There was nothing impure about looking at the other human body because there was no sin nature that said, uh, here's how you can be evil with that. There was such a purity in each other that they were able to interact in this whole, that's why you can't believe somebody. Well, I wouldn't, you know, we was there, but I wasn't gonna do nothing, you know. I, yeah, you lying. I'm gonna stop. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8. And they heard, I got it for a second. <laughs> and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? This omniscient God is asking a question, not because he doesn't know where Adam is, but he wants Adam to admit where he is. A lot of times, redemption is already on the way. The character of God is unimpeachable. He's already searching for you. He's not kicking him out right away. He's not killing him right away. He's trying to make sure he has a cognitive understanding of what went wrong. Verse 10, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said, who told you you were naked? The second question, have you eaten? of the tree which I commanded you not, not to? Did you remove the boundaries that I set that storm-proofed your life? Did you remove the things that help you know me, help you walk together? Isn't that your mission in your church? So therefore, when you remove the set boundaries, you cannot know him. Verse 12. And the man said to the woman, he said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me fruit and I ate it. Adam's clearing it up. But remember I told you in the beginning, everybody liked to blame somebody? Here go Adam. God, let me tell you what happened. You asking me where I'm at. You asking me what I did. Let me tell you what you did. You gave me somebody that liked fruit so much They came with problems. Now, I didn't even ask. You put me, to, you knocked me out. Now, I saw her and I was like, wow, I want her. But I didn't know what she had in her. So you messed me up and she messed me up. Now, did I eat? Yes. But before you could deal with what I did, let's deal with what you did and what she did. See, God from the very beginning was trying to get him to take responsibility. Where are you at? What did you do? He's trying to get him to confess, but he ain't ready yet. He ain't ready to be saved yet, because he lost now. When you go up to somebody and you're preaching the gospel and you ask them the questions they can't answer, don't need to argue with them. Wasn't ready. The woman you gave me, 13. Verse 13. Oh, you on my next. So, I, I apologize. I wrote this message special for y'all. This is not a recapitulation of a 
message. Falling out of relationship happens now. Who let the storm in? Who let sin in? Who let brokenness in? Who let crazy in? Who let off in? Who let, uh, the Bible says sin entered the world through lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He said, every man is tempted when he's drawn away on his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Who jacked, who, 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 at, it's, it's not like God brought a storm on the earth. He keeps getting blamed for the economy, blamed for wars, blamed. I, I hear atheists and other people blaming, well, not atheists, because they wouldn't blame God, because they don't believe God is. But just people blame God. Falling out of relationship, which is the mission of this church, is to know God, help you know him in relationship. The purpose of the garden was to be in relationship. He told them that if they ate of the tree, it was going to breach the relationship that they did. You know, God will hear what you have to say, but he won't stop being God. And the proof of that is in verse 14. And I'm not going to have you read it. I'm going to paraphrase for you what happens in Genesis 3, 14 through 19. What happens there is they're going to have to now face judgment. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11 9, for those of you taking notes, rejoice, O man, in thy youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the sight of your eyes and the ways of your heart, but know thou this, for all these things there is a judgment. It's appointed for man to die once, and after this, the judgment. There's going to be a great white throne judgment. He's going to judge the living and the dead. He is going to judge James Lowe, me. Let me not talk about you. I'm not going to get away with anything. Everything I do in the dark will be brought to the light. Don't matter if I can snow you, snow my wife, snow my kids, snow the community. God, my life is laid bare. There's no need for us to act like we are tricking someone. He's all-seeing, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, but we're learning that he's merciful. But he's saying, you know what, Adam, if you don't want my mercy, you don't want to confess, let me go and give you some judgment. He judges the snake. <laughs> then he judges the woman and says, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow, your desire is going to be towards your husband. In other words, he just jacked the whole thing up. He just said, basically what he's saying, it's not necessarily what he's going to do to you. It's the, he's really announcing the results of what happens when you reject him. He gets to the man. I, I love this little verse, though. I got to read this part because it's real fun. It's real fun. He says, he says in uh, <laughs> verse 17, and to Adam he said, read it, read it. You was listening to your woman. <laughs> just a little something. The men are already having a hard time, ladies. You got you to gotta just get something on there. She's not always right. What is he saying? Because you listened to another voice, your life was not stormproofed. Because you listened to another word, you couldn't be safe. 
You weren't on the rock. You weren't ready. You will face judgment. So the reason the storm has come is because you're, you're, you're falling out of relationship. But now you're going to face judgment. And the judgment is eternal separation from God, and there's nothing you can do about it aside from what God has done that you accept. I'll get to the bottom part of this message because Nathan only left me with five minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nathan, got to blame somebody. Let's <laughs> But let me show you how fellowship is restored. It's in the first story. I, and, and, I, and, I, and I have really never heard anybody preach a couple of things I'm going to say. So, Pastor Ron, you can, you can theologically tweak me, but I like it. But if it's wrong, you can just get up next week and say, you know, he was wrong. But, but wasn't it fun just to hear him talk about it? You know, now let's just correct it. <laughs> All right, verse 20. After the judgment, after he judged the snake and after he judged the woman and after he judged the man, God goes silent. He says nothing else. And then you hear Adam say these words. Adam, remember, he said, where are you? You know, Adam was beating around the bush. He ain't really had a confession yet. He ain't really had nothing. He's got the judgment of God and God is silent. And then verse 20 happens. Read. Now stop. You might say, what is the significance of this verse? We know that she was called helper. We know that she was called woman. We know that she was called wife. But I think this church mission statement is about your purpose. And the purpose of Adam and Eve coming together, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. He had given them a purpose. And repentance means to have a change of heart, change of mind, or change of direction. So the first time that we can notice repentance in Adam, he said the man called his wife's name Eve. She was not named to this moment. She shall be the mother of all of As if he said, I got off. You told me go be fruitful and multiply. And once you gave me what our assignment was together, we found ourselves in front of a tree questioning the very thing that you had for us to do. We weren't being together. We weren't being fruitful. We weren't multiplying. We wasn't subduing the earth. We were being, we weren't, we, we, we were allowing the storm to come on in. He said, but you know what? If I'm going to fix this, her name's going to be Eve, for she shall be the mother of all living. He's got a change of heart, a change of mind, a change. Of, this is the first time we hear him speaking in agreement with God after the fall. I'm in agreement with you. The problem with us is we'll confess. We won't confess. Then we won't repent. Then God doesn't restore I bet you Adam had to do some storm. Says in, uh, I think Luke, uh, either 6 and 46 or 4, and so I, I just forgot. It says, he says, this, a person who hears his words and does them is like a man that digs down deep. 
gets on the foundation and builds his house so it's stormproof. When you dig down, that means it's work, it's dirty, it's dark, and you need help to get out. Adam went to that place, how do I know? Because he said, you know what? This is on me. She's gonna be called. He had to go back to what the word really was. Then this is what happened in verse 21. Nathan, I need an additional five minutes. <laughs> and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Wait a minute. The repentance, the change of heart, opened up an opportunity. Open up an opportunity for the work. The previous verses I didn't read, when God gave judgment, he gave a promise. He said that I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and you should crush his head, uh, head and you'll, he'll, he'll bruise your heel. Adam had to get in connection with that word. Say he wants to help, and then the help of the Lord came. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. He made, he made skins. They had remembered what they did. They were afraid. When you're in sin, you get afraid. You hide. You try to cover your own thing up. You get afraid of God. Not respect, just fear like he's evil. You hide and you try to cover up. But here, the scripture is showing you, you'll never be a sufficient covering. He is a sufficient covering. So he got repentance, and now he's getting redemption. Finally, look at verse 22. I almost missed this, Pastor Ron. Then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Yeah, that's all that was there. What is, what is that? He removes him from hurting himself. Now, the repentance, redemption. Now, he removes him from the garden. He didn't say he took him out of Eden. He took him out of the place where heaven and earth met. He, 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 he re, he's going to say, you know, we're going to relate differently until you fully redeem. What do I want to say? You know, Adam and Eve are not recorded as saying, we're just going to kill ourselves now. It's too miserable. In the mercy of God, he prevents you from living in an eternal sinful state. He's given you a chance to stay in his word, to stay believing his promise, so you can now storm-proof your life. How do I know that they actually did it? Because chapter Genesis 4 and 1, stand to your feet. Genesis 4 and 1 says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had children. Come on up with me, Nate. And they had children. They began to do what God had called them to do. Fellowship was restored. So let's review. They were, they fell out of fellowship. That's what brought the storm. They had to face judgment like we all will. But then fellowship 
was restored by Christ in repentance. NYC, I've been here for over a decade and I've watched prophetic word after prophetic word over your life. If you ignore the word, it won't be inactive in your life. You are giants. Your calls to change the trajectory of this city. I didn't even look back to us praying with the mayor and I know for a fact that the mayor wants a relationship with us. You think you're not affecting the city? The enemy's job is to deceive you, to make you think you're insignificant, that your voice doesn't matter. Do you actually think he's just having a church here in New York just to just do something casually? You are not casual. You are not ordinary. But you've got to remember the words spoken over you as an individual and as a church. If you will remember that word, get in your purple book, get in the, a life group, get connected, you will stormproof your life. Thank you. God bless you. You've been listening to the Messages Podcast with Every Nation NYC. If you enjoyed our message, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others hear the message of Jesus, and we really appreciate it. If you have yet to spend time with us in person, we would love to welcome you to one of our services. Visit everynationnyc.org to find all the info you need to attend a service. We will see you there.